Our reading today comes from Hebrews chapter 8, verses 8 to 12. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, even Sarah, who was past age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who made the promise. And so from this one man, as he, as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Uh, we're now starting the second uh, in the series on Hebrews 11 and 12, looking at the heroes of faith. And today we'll be looking at the life of Abraham and Sarah. Uh, last week we learned that faith is all about hoping for what we don't have yet and what we do not yet see. We also learned that faith is important uh, for being accepted by God. In fact, it's essential for our acceptance by God. When I read um, Hebrews 11, I, I imagine myself almost walking down an avenue of um, statues celebrating great heroes. And I can say this, I warmly remember actually walking down a street in Rome. Um, on either side of that street was the statues of the heroes of, of the Italian reunification, of the creation of the state of Italy, celebrating these great men who'd brought this about. Now, statues are, at the moment, a lot of them are being um, looked at very carefully as the lives of the people they celebrate are being reassessed and reconsidered. And this morning, as I've said, we'll be, re we'll be examining the life of Abraham and Sarah, uh, looking at them through the lens of Hebrews chapter 11, 8 to 12. So what are we going to find out? Let's, let's start looking. But before we do that, actually, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we bow in your presence. May your word be our rule, your spirit our teacher, and your greater glory our supreme concern. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. When I uh, did that prayer a few moments ago, I was actually using a prayer of one of my heroes, uh, John Stott, the great Bible teacher. Uh, that was a prayer he often gave at the start of his sermons, and uh, I... I think it's an incredibly good structure to use, um, and so I've used it as well. So that's one of my heroes. Now, we said um, at the start that maybe Hebrews 11 is almost like walking down an avenue or road lined with statues of the faith. Now, if Abraham was on this avenue of statues, his statue would be incredibly large, because he is a major figure in, in the story of faith. And in fact, during the, um, the actual passage of Hebrews, he does get more coverage, he gets more verses, more lines than any other person. And um, even then, though, I feel that he should maybe get more because he is such a major person. It feels almost like a cameo 
And one of the things that I would encourage you to do is read about Abraham in Genesis. I remember studying um, him with a home group uh, and we took a year going through Genesis and we spent a lot of time in Abraham. And there's so much to learn from studying his life and his relationship with God. So in Hebrews 11, we, we learn about Abraham and Abraham receiving a promise. This promise was given in Genesis 12, verse 1, and the patriarch, Abraham the patriarch, is promised a place. The place is Canaan. Now he's called to go to a place he has not yet seen. And we learn in Genesis 12 that his response was immediate. He was obedient to the call and that out, there was an outward sign of an inward faith. And he left a pagan place and followed God. It was also a very sacrificial faith because he was not a young man. He was 75 years old. He was probably well settled in his home and he left that all behind. He was not a young man and this will become critical as we look further on in the passage. Now, as an economist, I would say that Abraham is demonstrating what we call in what labor economics calls geographic mobility and occupational mobility. He was willing to move geographically and he was willing to live a different life, take up different occupations in a different place. Now, he got to see it, but he didn't get to have it. He didn't possess the land because when he got there, there were people already there. He and his family lived in tents. They were not permanent residents there. They, they didn't take control of the land. And in fact, they had to leave um, at one point because of famine and go to Egypt. So they, were, they had to move at one point and go to another country because of the economic situation in the country. But Abraham was faithful. He never turned back. He never said, let's go back home. This isn't working. I'm going to go back and move in with my family back home. He didn't turn around. He stayed true to the promise. He was faithful. He trusted God and he stayed um, seeking to do what God wanted him to do. Now, in the struggles of faith, we have to ask, how did Abraham, although everything seemed to be saying, mm, you haven't got the land, you haven't got the promise fulfilled, how do you keep going? And we learn through Hebrews that Abraham looked beyond the physical place, beyond the temporary um, sort of holding of land, the ownership of land. He looked beyond that to the permanent place, the ultimate promised place, and that is the heavenly city that we read about in Revelation. He held on to that promise. He saw beyond the temporary, beyond the now, and looked into the future. So in Hebrews 11, um, verses uh, 8 to 10, we see the promised place, the land of Canaan, and we see Abraham having to deal with that in faith, that promise with faith, because it was thing, a thing that he didn't yet see and a thing that he didn't yet possess as his inheritance. In Hebrews 11, 10 to 12, we move on to the promise of a person, and that person is Isaac. Now, during lockdown, um, I've caught up with quite a lot of reading. I hope you have as well. And um, one of the literary um, sections of a newspaper I read gives lists every week of books maybe you should consider rereading. Now, if I was going to reread a book, it would be my favorite novel. And it's called The Name of the Rose. And as I was preparing the sermon, I was reminded of this because um, it's a very interesting book. It's about murders in a medieval monastery and how they're solved. 
And one of the key uh, scenes in the book, I don't want to spoil it for you, so you may want to put your fingers in your ears if you want to read it, involves a discussion between two monks, a um, Benedictine monk and a Franciscan monk over the role of laughter in the life of a Christian, in the life of a believer. And laughter plays quite a key part in the second part of our reading today, although it's not mentioned in the passage. If you go back to Genesis, you'll see laughter and its role quite uh, heavily sort of drawn out. So in um, Hebrews 11, um, 11 to 12, we see the promise of a person, of Isaac. And this again was um, made, this promise was first made to Abraham before he left his family home and set off for Canaan. He's promised a place and he's promised a person. This person, as we know, is Isaac. Now, he was obedient to the call to move to another place, but um, this promise of being um, the parents of Isaac was quite a, a stretch because uh, they, they were promised innumerable descendants and yet they had no children already. And they were already 75, Abraham was 75 when he was called and Sarah was 65. And their combined ages are an outward sign of the impossibility of this happening, this, this family line coming from Abraham and Sarah. And so much of what happens from then on in, in Genesis is about them having to develop a dependent faith in God. They, they, had to start to, they had to start to come to grips with this promise um, that they couldn't see and wasn't happening yet. And they had to learn they had to be dependent on God. Ten years after the promise was given, we read in Genesis 16 of Abraham and Sarah getting together, saying, God promised us this. Did he say how it was going to happen? Did he say which way it was going to occur? Maybe we can, we can help this along and uh, maybe we can try surrogacy. Let's ask Hagar to um, bear you a child and we maybe can get the promise rolling this way. So we see Abraham and Sarah having to deal with this, this promise and trying to solve it themselves. This is a struggle of faith. They didn't reject God's promise, but they did sort of think, hmm, maybe I need to do something here. And it's very hard for us to know as Christians when to, when to take the initiative and when to wait on God. So they, they tried and they later learned Abraham, God came to Abraham later, and we read about this in Genesis 17, and Abraham is clearly shown that that was not what God intended. God intended him to have a child with Sarah, and through him the promise would be un, un, sort of unfolded. And so he reminds God's words to Abraham, remind him to trust in God. And Abraham's initial response is he laughs in Genesis 17. He laughs because he's having trouble. He's struggling with this. His faith is struggling to deal with this promise. And he laughs and God speaks to him. And then God returns to Abraham and Sarah again later. And he speaks his words to them to tell them that they are going to have a child. Um, it's the passage in Genesis um, 18 where there are three visitors that come to Abraham's tents and they speak to uh, Abraham and they remind him that he's going to have a child. This time Sarah is present, she is hearing, she's inside the tent and she's hearing as well and she laughs and God hears her 
and he calls her out on that and she tries to deny that she was laughing and God responds to her by saying is anything impossible or too hard for the Lord the creator God surely he can do it and we're reminded of a similar passage in Matthew's gospel where John the Baptist speaks to the people of Israel and says you know God could raise up children of Abraham out of these stones the creator God is capable of doing this trust him and um, Sarah has to learn to trust him. Her faith is strengthened by God's word. God speaks to her situation. He strengthens her and she begins to believe that this is gonna happen. And her laughter of doubt and struggle is replaced in Genesis 21 with laughter of joy of having a child, of having Isaac. And the name Isaac actually means he laughs. So in effect, God is having the last laugh. And Isaac also acts as a signpost, just as the land of Canaan was a signpost to the ultimate place, Isaac's birth is a signpost to the ultimate person, our Saviour Jesus. So we've looked at Abraham and Sarah, we've looked at the um, promised land, they were given the promised place and the promised person. So how do we, how do we apply this passage from Hebrews to our lives. I started talking about um, Hebrews 11 as reminding me of a, a parade or an avenue of statues. Um, and statues are often quite large, they're quite cold, they're static, they're remote, they're um, idealized often um, representations of the people and they're hard to connect with. And when we look at Abraham's position in, in the history of the Bible, he is massive, we said he's a major figure. Um, he was the father of nations, he was the founder of the nation of Israel. He, from his line came the Messiah, became, came Jesus. So how can, we, how can we connect with him? How can we apply this passage to our lives? Well, I think there are three things um, I want to sort of highlight. The first thing is I think we can learn from Abraham's um, approach to the promised place. He, like us, was strangers in the land. He never settled down. He realized that this was not the end destination. This was just a route on the way to the permanent place, the perfect place, the kingdom of God promised to us. And he, he kept going um, when things were going badly, when things weren't going in a straight line. He took the um, setbacks, but still believed in this ultimate destination. And I think that speaks to us today. Life seems to be going sort of sideways at the moment, and you know, it's not happening as we'd like, but we need to see beyond that. We need to see beyond that to the heavenly city that we are, we are destined for. So that's the first thing. So the second thing from Abraham I think we can learn is his faith. He had to learn to depend on God. It wasn't by him working at it that the promise of um, a great nation of people, of the, the father of all believers would be worked out. It was by God and Abraham had to learn to depend on God. He was, when it came to fulfilling this, he was almost dead. He said that, you know, I'm almost dead and yet you're, you're promising me this thing. And that reminds us that we need to be dependent in our faith. Our salvation doesn't come from works, it comes through faith. When it comes to works, we are also in a position of just about dead. Our works are dead. We have to rely on God and his promise. 
And finally, um, the thing that probably speaks most immediately is um, Abraham's walk with God and the moments of doubt and anxiety that he experienced. Abraham is the father of all believe, who believe. He is held up as a great example, but even he had his moments. And in a way, that's quite reassuring for us. We will have our moments of doubt, our moments of uh, uncertainty when it comes to God's promises. But Abraham didn't turn away, he didn't turn back. As Bart said last week, this book is written to encourage Christians not to give up on the promises, but to keep going. And it's called the book of Hebrews because a lot of the Christians they're writing to are people who had converted from Judaism to Christianity. They would probably think, let's go back to the land, as it were. Let's go back to the land of our fathers. Let's go back to our old beliefs. Let's, let's turn around and go in the other direction. Let's um, turn away from Jesus Christ and the claims that he made and go back to the teachings of the Old Testament. And the letter of Hebrews is there to keep people going, to encourage them to keep going. They can have doubts, but they can work through them. They, like Abraham and Sarah, can be encouraged. God's word can speak to them and lift them up and help them on. Because faith, as we know, is not the amount you have, it's what you have faith in, the object or person of your faith. And it is God, the creator God, and his word that we have faith in. And I'm really struck by um, Paul. Paul wrote about Abraham and his faith in Romans. And I just want to read from the passage that uh, sp speaks of Abraham, just part of it. It says in Romans chapter 4, verse 18, Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, So shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God has the power to do what he has promised. So Abraham, like us, did have struggles, but he saw through those struggles. He was strengthened in his faith and God spoke to him. He didn't weaken. Also, he didn't ignore the, the challenges of, of faith, the things that stood in the way of fulfilling those promises. He was realistic. It wasn't a blind faith. It was a faith in the one true God. And that is the God in which we put our, our trust and our faith in our daily walk. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the book of Hebrews, for all the people of faith that it, it mentions and that we read about and from which we should be encouraged. We thank you, Lord, that Abraham, we can identify with him, although you had great plans for him, we can still identify with him in our Christian walk. His struggles of faith are like the struggles that we have. And he overcame the Lord. You were gracious to him. You spoke to him. You lifted him up. You reassured him. We ask that you would do the same for us in our walk of faith with you, that you would lift us up when we doubt. Help us to keep going in the right direction and seek your, your person and your place. In Jesus' name, amen.